What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, who does the most, Jasmine Ellis, and I am joined by one of my very, very funny friends. I'm so excited to have her. We met, I want to say, at the Limestone Comedy Festival. That sounds right, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I feel like there were headshots involved, and they were pretty good. So I want to I want to say... <laughs> There's like a, there's a nice little blur of 2018, 2019, where there was just great headshots at festivals. And that's how you knew which comics were getting in festivals is who had the best headshots. So I feel like, I feel like we were on the same one. I'm like 90% sure it was that. Either that or 10,000 lots, but either way, I absolutely adore this person. Super funny, so fun to follow on all the social medias. Give it up for Brie Pruitt, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, Jasmine Ellis fans? Get ready for a hot cup of Breathe. Sorry. <laughs> no, I kind of love it. A, a, a hot, weird a intro. cup of breathe. I like it. I like it a lot. Do you, do you so intro polished. your own podcast like that? On my podcast, I'm literally talking. I mean, because my podcast was a pando coping mechanism. So I was just literally <laughs> shouting into the wild void for this whole year. And it's like messy and awkward. But you've got the polish of a of a young Wendy Williams, frankly. And sorry. Oh, that's, that's such a compliment. Good, great, good. I think so too, but you never know how somebody's gonna take a Wendy Williams comparison. She's she's not the nicest person, but she's a bad bitch. She's got like polish. she did what she had to do. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean she she talks as if she is scripted by someone like who, you know, has it out for her, but but because she just like cancels herself all the time but she speaks as if she knows like she doesn't like act like she's stumbling into any of the takes that she has it's very interesting no you know what i love about wendy my favorite wendy thing which is actually very music related is there's this mariah carey lyric to the song um touch my body and she goes and they're and they be all in my business like a wendy interview and it's like so when you have like crystallized yourself as the epitome of intrusive, rude, and disrespectful yeah. interviews, you get you get, <laughs> you get memorialized by Mariah Carey. Like so, she's yeah. at the top of that game. Nobody's nobody's more in your business than Wendy Williams. So, like, I appreciate that. <laughs> Again, none of the none of those qualities, but but I get you. Just came in with a lot of polish. I love it. Love to see it. Thank you. Well, that's funny because I actually got my start in radio. Like before I even did stand up, oh. I did radio. And I loved being on the air and just kind of realized that one of the things I liked the most about it was making people laugh. So what made me want to do this podcast was to like a nod to like that golden era of, um, gosh, do you like when you were a kid, do you remember like driving late at night with your parents and there'd be that lady with that sultry voice and people would like call in with sure. stories of Yes, Delilah. Do you remember this? Like quiet storm vibes. Um, yeah. Yes. In, in LA, we have the Wave, which is my favorite. It's probably my favorite radio station of all time. It's it's so mellow, and I swear to God, they play Sade like nine times a day. Um, <laughs> and that is like, and I also like buy. I wonder if Sade's music rights are really cheap or something. I swear to God, every time. I'm in the car and listening to the wave. I always hear Sade at least once. Either I'm either I'm on that wavelength, uh, or it's it's they've got some kind of contract. Also, preview of my list of songs potentially. 
Okay. Okay. You're going to be the second person in a row who loves Jade. And you know what? I they, I never warn people about like the songs that were mentioned because I want you guys to be honest about like the songs that speak to you. And that's the thing about music is it's, it's human. It's not like, you know, with jokes, how we're always trying so hard to be the most original bitch in the room and have an idea that no one's ever thought of, even if no one relates to it. You know what I mean? Especially when we're new and like writing way out here. Music is so funny because what makes it so beautiful is how much we all relate to it. Like, oh, I love this song. I remember exactly where I was when I first heard this song. That's what I love about it. I always, this is one of my favorite like icebreaker questions. Okay, if you could choose between being a comedian, like being a, if you could trade in your exact amount of comedic ability tomorrow for that exact amount of musical ability, would you take it? Would you trade it? Okay. What's interesting, okay, I already have some music ability, so I would okay. say yes, because okay. then it would it would be a, a building block on my existing foundation of musical ability. You know what I mean? Whereas comedically, I was at I was at the basement, you know, and I built all this comedy chops. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, you just really said it about musicians. Their work is subjective. <laughs> it's not pass fail the way a comedian is like an athlete. You know, uh, Seinfeld famously called comedy closer to a sport than an art because it's pass hmm. fail. You get the laugh or you don't get the laugh. Now, of course, we recognize some artistry to it. And I think mm -hmm. that many, many laughs are more um, valuable to me than others. Um, otherwise I would just be falling down all the time on stage because obviously that's the most surefire way to a laugh. Uh, but I craft jokes because I'm trying to enlighten and enrich people's lives like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. Closer to a sport than an art. I'm stuck on that because in my brain, I'm just thinking, well, that's easy for him to say because he like has the money to own a team. You know what I mean? Like he's just like... <laughs> What a beautiful extension of that metaphor. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I have to agree, though, that, like, uh, nobody could say, oh, that song is, like, objectively bad. Mm. But you could say that joke is objectively bad because it never got a laugh in, in the history of the world. But potentially a song could, you know, there's no ob objectivity with music to me. It's more that is interesting because it, what I think is funny is the way uh, the internet gives everyone this chance to redeem things now. So even the music that we did say was like objectively, this was bad, bad, like case in point, yes. Rebecca Black is huge on TikTok. Like people love her on TikTok. Do you remember her? Friday. Yes. It's Friday. Friday, Friday. Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. <laughs> I, I like our new version just now. But yeah, it's so yeah. funny how like years later you can redeem it. You're right. I, I agree with the objectivity to that. That is so interesting. So you've been doing a podcast, you said, as like a mm -hmm. coping mechanism. What else have you been doing to help yourself count down the days till we're allowed out, I guess? <laughs> I got real into writing, you know, just kind of writing through all the trauma of the year. Um, I, you know, writing about you know, what would it look like to defund the police? And like, what would it look like if if uh, police people that are on TV right now were defunded, you know? So like kind of enjoying the, I mean, not enjoying, <laughs> what's the wrong word? Enjoying, I guess, the creative journey of it all, but it's like, 
you know, it's painful. Um, yeah, writing a lot. She's doing some Zoom shows, doing some Zoom stand-up comedy shows, and uh, just leaning into uh, cooking in my house, and that's it. Nice. nice. Yeah. I, I love finding out people's domestic hobby that they picked up. My husband, like, flat out, like, legitimately believes he's a full-on barista now. Like, he grinds his own beans. He's into, like, he, like, he never did the whipped coffee thing, but he just got real good, like, the dip types. And I bought a kit to make candles and never made a single candle. So well, I made candles. So- I also, I made candles. I'm going to show you one. Um, but I... Okay, so I'm a pot smoker, proud pot smoker, and I'm sorry if this is a uh, all ages podcast, but um, I smoke <laughs> I don't a lot give of pot. My kids. Okay, great. Yeah, fuck those kids. I smoke <laughs> weed every day. Um, so I have um, a bunch of eighth containers, uh, you mm-hmm. know, because of uh, uh, pot smoking. So I may I decide to make little candles out of my eighth containers. See, it's a so little. Cute. It used to have cannabis in it, and now it has a candle. It's so funny living, because you know, I just moved to LA. It is so funny living right. somewhere where weed is legalized. So I'm like, you say eighth container, like that's just like, it's like to me, weed is always sold crunched up in aluminum foil stuffed in someone's pocket. Like I'm not used to- But it was to- still an eighth. It was still an eighth. <laughs> in, you know, I'm from Oregon, so it's been legal for a while, but I, I am old enough to have bought it illegally. And one uh, of my drug dealers back in the day, oh, my drug dealers, what a quaint term, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> cannabis bud tenders they're called now but uh uh back in the day they were called drug dealers and uh an eighth was the size of a plastic easter egg so he would sell to me in those plastic easter eggs that you would give to a child in a basket kind of cute oh that's adorable (laughs) that's the size size of an eighth of weed and that's something for everyone who doesn't live in california to know oh did you know that they you're not allowed to fly with those little plastic eggs like they will take them out of your bag because because of like the the perfectly spherical shape and the smoothness put it in your they're, butt. they're perfect for going in your butt and your vagina they just slide right up there and then they're like pretty easy to get back out like they're just <laughs> in the case you're just tuning in and you're like what am i gonna <laughs> learn on this r&b podcast i just taught you how to smuggle drugs oh <laughs> Because I just go with the flow. I just go with the flow. You got it. Oh my goodness. One of my favorite things about this show is I like to start out by doing a music history lesson. I never know exactly like how much music history my guests know. Like, like Brie, where would you say your knowledge of music history goes? Would you say like, you know, like, like you're that person who can answer any bar trivia question or not so much? Absolutely not. Um, I am extremely not knowledgeable when it comes to music i think all of my like researching something i like um it all went to movies so when it comes to like factual knowledge and stuff like that i'll go cinema first and i'll be like i can answer your questions about directors and actors but music much much less so yes i will accept any history that you have for me okay so i'm taking it back to the not so distant past and one of my favorite things to talk about when i talk about music controversies is usually it's two big things sex or money sex or money drugs is what makes the music and then sex or money is what destroys it like there's always when it comes down to relationships and money those are the big ones we talked a lot about 
different situations with relationships like TLC and, and things like that, like, or, or Fleetwood Mac, you know, breakups within the group. We're going we're to talk about uh, no doubt pretty soon, but today I want to talk about money. And I feel like when you think about money destroying a musician's career, you can't talk about it without bringing up MC Hammer. I feel like MC Hammer is the best example of this. So out of curiosity, do you know why MC Hammer is broke? Because I didn't until today. I mean, I'm guessing it's some trick of the white supremacy of the music industry. A it little was a Wesley Snipes sitch where he, you know, was tricked into not paying taxes and then somebody hung him out to dry. That was my that would a be little- my guess. A little bit. A lot of times with actors, it's a situation of like they go from making almost no money and barely reporting their taxes to just suddenly, you know, getting featured in an awesome film. Right. Which mm-hmm. is and, which, of course, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original 1990 version. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's true. He was in that movie. Yes. I mean, I are you think- referring to something else? No, I'm talking about his spending. Okay. It's funny because I don't want to oh, blame okay. him for his own. And like, you know, like later on in life, he's done a lot better. 58 years old when this episode airs. So happy birthday, uh, MC happy Hammer. Let's talk about MC. your financial problems when you were in your <laughs> 20s. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would be mad if someone was like, so that time you went broke, let's talk about it. But well, I don't blame, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't blame anybody because as you said, like a lot of times it'll be a rags to riches scenario and like anybody knows how to ha- how to manage money and unless you have the resources to connect yourself with the people who know how would mm-hmm. you know yeah oh yeah money is weird like money yeah. money is weird and what's really frustrating about it is like rich people don't talk about money cuz it's rude and then poor right. people don't talk about money cuz it's depressing <laughs> or they don't know or they have no well, we don't know have, you know i have nothing to add to a conversation with a rich person you know God, i tried to invest for the first time in my life yeah. i was like this would be I, I found something that i was passionate about uh their investment tier was like low enough that i could afford it i was like let's do this let's invest and it was so funny because i could absolutely afford what they were asking but like according to like you know, like this grand sum of my entire life of spending, they're like, you can't afford this. I'm like, what do you mean? I have it. It's in my account. The definition of afford is very strange, you know? Like you you can pay the mortgage, but we don't trust you to pay the mortgage. So pay three times that in rent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can complain about that all day. So here's an article I found with Thrillist and uh, I've decided to just kind of let them do the research on this because this is really well put together. Okay. So here's a great thing. If you've ever wondered, how did MC Hammer lose his money? And by the way, when I typed in, how did MC Hammer, the first option was die. So y'all got to stop <laughs> killing off not dead people on the internet. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> He's very much not dead. He became a pastor later on in life. He seems to be a pretty good family man. I think there was a brief reality show on VH1. The dude seems happy. Um, But if you're wondering how he got, how he went from being basically just an icon of the early 90s, a baggy pants assassin. Okay, so in case you're wondering how he spent his money, the first big thing was he had a notoriously epic staff. He kept a staff of 200 people on the payroll to handle pretty much everything you can imagine. And notoriously rolled with an entourage of 40 people deep to every gig, paying out a staggering $500 million per month to support everyone. I'm sorry, $500,000 per month to support everyone. Uh, then there was the cost of his mansion. 
Not to consent to settle into some sprawling estate that already existed, he broke ground in the hills above the rough neighborhood he grew up in on a 40,000 square feet, sorry, 40,000 square feet house that would end up costing him $30 million. It earned the price tag with a litany of that added touches like gold-plated gates, two swimming pools, and Italian marble floors. He also had a recording studio, a 17-car garage, and a 33-seat theater, a baseball diamond, and multiple tennis courts. And that's that kind of the millions upon millions he spent to furnish the place with rare antiques. Uh, he also had several thoroughbred horses and several Lamborghinis, a private jet, two private helicopters, and a stretch limousine. But on top of that, in case you're wondering what really cost him all his money, wasn't even fun stuff he could use, it was lawsuits. Significantly less glamorously, of course, uh, much of his lawsuits came notably when he was fighting with Rick James in court, who claimed that he had the riff on Super Freak, which was used on You Can't Touch This. So he lost the royalties to that, and that's like a major cut of all the money he had. So that's kind of a crazy thing is like these labels front you money to take care of these things. And I here's the thing, that 40-person entourage, I feel like I could accomplish that easy. Easy. Like just, you just, you know, you got your friend who's like, oh, I'm coming, can I bring my cousin? And then your friend brings their friend, and then you just want to, you know, they go to one gig and then they go to the next. I could see that happening. Brie, if you just came into a whole lot of money real fast, what's the dumbest thing you'd spend it on? A blunt roller. A person who traveled <laughs> with me to roll the weed up. I've said this before. It was a joke on Popstar, uh, the film Popstar, but I was like, hmm, yes. Um, and then maybe, <laughs> and probably a stylist of some kind, not to do me, do my hair and makeup, but to do, tell me what to do. Um, because that is, it's hard to put an outfit together. It is. It, yeah. it, but then again, what do you think about like all of these terrible, like, I don't know what it is in particular about the MTV Music Awards. They're just so notorious for someone having like the worst outfit of the year. It's always someone's job. Those are never self-styled. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a great point. I have to say that with the MC Hammer Facts, it's great info. Um, and you know, I love that he spent a bunch of money on salaries. That's that's a comrade redistributing the wealth, frankly. You know, spreading it around a little. That's true. I mean, did you hear about the kind of the pushback? I know she's not a musician, but she's very much in the zeitgeist right now. Kylie Jenner not helping out her makeup artist. Did you hear about this yesterday? No, I didn't hear about this. Let me These give you the short version of it. Monsters, okay? Every <laughs> single one. All those Kardashians. They're just, sounds like every... Thing they do it just has no they just don't have any concept of anybody whose name doesn't start with a fucking k all right go what did what did she do to her makeup artist well what it was is someone who had worked with her a makeup artist uh needed a sixty thousand dollar surgery and kylie being so generous shared the gofundme link and was like please help out my friend <laughs> and it's just like girl you can fund this you can fund this you go fund it like i just I don't know. It's kind of funny because I'm curious. I'm like, would it have been better if she just not shared it? Like, would it have been less embarrassing to just not do that? Because now I'm just, I'm just, it just makes you cringe at the tone deafness. Because like GoFundMe has turned into like what universal healthcare should be. Like basically yes. to get health, to get funds for healthcare from the general public, you need to put on a, like a, like a sadness talent show so that everyone yeah. can see just how bad your situation is. But like the idea of like rich celebrities telling their 
like normal middle class to poor following that's like excited about her $12 dry ass lipsticks. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, like, aren't you her employer, you dick? Like, just give her health insurance. If she's your makeup artist, that is your job you're outsourcing to your fans. I I really, I really am like neutral toward all things keeping up with. But I, when I hear stuff like that, it's just like pretty vile, frankly, these, these folks. They're wild. It is really wild. So yeah, it, as far as redistribu redistribution of wealth, I'll give it to MC Hammer. He yeah. he got 500 people jobs. He was creating jobs, you know. And you know, it's <laughs> like a friends and like family potentially and stuff like that. You know, it's it's probably his like people who've been with him for a while, you know, you think. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting to see. I don't know. I hope I know. I think the dumbest thing I would spend money on for sure it's probably the dumbest thing I already spend money on. I sp I'm very, very particular about my haircuts. My haircuts cost like $200 a year, but I only get like one. But it's just like, if you cut curly hair and cur like curly hair needs to be landscape, not cut. Yeah. Like, you know, like a, like a topiary, like a, like a good, like a well done bush. Like it has to be shaped exactly right. And if it's not, you just look like shit for a year. And so I just don't care. So literally like I timed it just right and got my hair cut the last time I was in Austin. Uh, shout out to Rockstar Richie in Austin, if you're looking for him. Uh, <laughs> I'm very particular about my haircut and, and, and my eyebrows. Yeah, I would have like a, I would have a beauty budget that's through the damn roof. I got like an illegal manicure at one point. Uh, I didn't realize salons had closed down back down in LA. So, so like, Newsom can't lock me up for this. But there was a salon that like let me into their back door and did, <laughs> and did my manicure like through a hole in plexiglass. Like I just stuck my hand through the wall. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, when it comes to beauty stuff, I just, I can't, self-care is is me care. So I would probably have a disgustingly, just ridiculous Mariah Carey level budget. All write-offs, by the way, which you would know when you were super rich and you would have the right tax attorney person to do that for you. That's true. It's all part yeah. of maintenance. It's all part of maintenance. I guess it's the, the extra private jets you can't write off. I don't know. I feel like maybe MC just did not have the right lawyers. That's what I'm saying. You need that rich people hook up, connect with the people who know, you know, who've got the like, I don't, yeah, the the insider Hollywood write-off system. Yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah. So now that we've done our off the record segment where we talked about uh, MC Hammer today, do you have a favorite MC Hammer song? Is it the... Well... I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that MC Hammer was my very first live concert. Yes. Tell us the story, please. Well, I was a very young woman, potential. I was under 10 years old. I don't remember how old I was. It was at a Oregon State Fair, if memory serves. I was sitting, so it was not a uh, extremely lively experience for me because I remember sitting and being tired like a child is. Um, but I, um, you know, I guess I would say can't touch. This is probably the favorite song. Oh no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go T U R T L E power because of the aforementioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tie-in. That song is fire. And it was, I mean, that's one of the greatest film franchise and musical artist collabs 
Um, and that became a really important part of films. You know, it kind of paved the way for the Men in Black, for all the Will Smith, like, title tracks, soundtrack tracks. And I think, I think MC was doing a lot of, uh, a lot of trailblazing there. Question. Yeah. Turtle Power or Go Ninja Go? Maybe it was Go Ninja Go. I, I mean, I, I, listen, did I have the soundtrack to the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film? Yes. Do I remember the track names? Maybe not. Um, no, I'm asking if you if you <laughs> if you have to choose between a vanilla ice track or an MC oh, Hammer no track. Vanilla ice, yeah. Dare uh, I say I... it? The greatest white rapper of all. I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh man, Ninja Turtles. Now I gotta know. It's called the Ninja Rap. So that is so funny. Okay. So now that we've done our off the record segment, this is yes. one that the next segment is all about you. And what it is, is it is your story. I want to know the playlist of Repruit's life. So you've got five tracks and I want you to just, uh, do you want to do them in a particular order, like in ascending or descending importance or what would you like to do today? Interesting. Um, okay. Let me start with a, a song that I love a lot and to, and to give you some insight into my music background. Are you ready? Yes. For this. Song is Mr. Post- Postman, or rather, please, Mr. Postman, by the Marvelettes from the Motown era. I love Motown music very much. This was mm-hmm. not something that was necessarily given to me by my family. This was like a homegrown appreciation. And the reason that this song was very important to me is remains very important to me is that I was a karaoke jockey for 10 years karaoke jockey meaning the person who runs karaoke at a karaoke bar for almost 10 years years. yeah the bar closed right before i left portland uh and now it is a starbucks and sometimes i go in there and fantasize about bursting into song but i'm not allowed i will be thrown out of that starbucks one day i maybe will i'll let everybody know about it fuck up the vibe so royally i want to fuck them up i want to ruin (laughs) everyone in their day just one day actually it wouldn't ruin their day if i started singing well yes wait yeah okay so i sing um karaoke to start off the night right Mm -hmm. on a given night of karaoke bar and please mr postman a fantastic kickoff song right really sets Mm -hmm. a vibe um it's very short also which is great when you're a karaoke jockey because people um everybody's clamoring to sing so you don't want to take up too much time so um please mr postman everybody loves it from from the oldest to the youngest you know and it's right in my register right where i like to sing she's a she's an alto belter uh type singer and that's the song i love that so as a karaoke, I, I'm going to call you an aficionado. As a karaoke yeah. aficionado, what goes into choosing the perfect karaoke song for your voice? How do you, how does one go about doing that? It's a great question. I mean, I usually, I, I used to ask people, people be like, what should I sing? They're like, I don't even know you, but okay, here, here's what you should sing. I would say, you know, tell me what year you graduated high school. So I know what time references we can you know i'm not going to tell you to sing the scorpions if you're a tiny child you don't know who that is so i would like find some like (laughs) cultural references be like what kind of music do you like and they'd be like i like rap music or i like rock music and i'm like okay um and i'm like are you a good singer and they would usually be like no (laughs) like okay great 
So if you're, if you can't sing, I mean, I, I would usually recommend something kind of talky, like a talky rap or a talky talk. Um, These Boots Are Made For Walkin' by Nancy Sinatra. There's not a soul on the universe who can't sing that song. It's like, you know, it's basically a nursery rhyme. It's very talky. Um, mm. If you are a child of the 90s and you wish to sing a duet, every single time I will tell you to sing Gangster's Paradise because the bar will like that very much. As soon as the the um, violin begins, you know, and everybody gets excited about the, the Gangster's Paradise song kicking off, you know, they light up and it's very easy to sing. I would have never suggested that. That is like... I don't know why I've never been to a bar in Sinzo. Isn't it kind of about like death and, and murder in the inner city? Like I wouldn't have picked that. And Jasmine, it would be a very thoughtful thing for you to consider what the actual lyrics are. But for pop music, people are only responding to nostalgia as we were talking about nostalgia earlier and how, you know, it kind of erases all, all manner of sins. Uh, but frankly, I think that the, the hook really brings people in uh it's like a wedding song sweet caroline very similar four non-blondes uh what's up you know so like that's the difference right if you want to sing something that's for you it's one list of songs you want to sing something for everyone else it's a different list of songs i agree with you on choosing crowd pleasers one of my pet peeves is when someone chooses something incredible and like i consider myself the most basic bitch in the world i know everything everybody knows okay if it was popular i can tell you the, the top 10 uh, at any given time between now and whenever Billie Eilish showed up. It's like that. That's when I would say that I know the exact she moment really, I got out of touch. She really was a was a party pooper. She really just crashed the party. We didn't like I just it. Feel like I, I appreciate how pretty her voice is. But when I think about Billie Eilish, I, I can tell that the, that is the exact moment where I became old, not old, but just like I could, I could say things are not for me. I remember I was performing in Austin and it was during, um, not South by, but ACL Fest. And I was like, thank you guys so much for coming to my show tonight. And, you know, instead of going to watch Billie Eilish whisper and everyone was like, huh? <laughs> like, like it was like, and oh, 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 connecting back to your story earlier where you're talking about going to a state fair. All right. My very first hosting gig as a radio DJ, I got to introduce Casey and the Sunshine Band at the Wichita Falls State Fair or City Fairs, you know, and he goes, I know you guys were probably expecting to see somebody young and hip like Justin Timberlake. And he said this in like 2012. And the kids were like, huh? Because they like were expecting him to say because it was small kids. They're expecting him to say Justin Bieber. And I was like, cringe. Oh my God, he's so old. Oh and when I made that joke about Billie Eilish whispering, like nobody else wanted to hear it. And the audience was like, of course we want to hear Billie Eilish whisper. We <laughs> couldn't get in. Yeah, that's why we're fucking here. We don't want to see yeah. you. <laughs> Maybe if you shut up, we could hear her listen whisper from across the street. Just kidding. They wouldn't say Pretty that. Pretty much. That's how rude. Austin is. Honestly, you just, you go to a comedy show when you can't get into a music show. Uh, wow. Comedy is the redheaded stepchild of music in Austin. <laughs> Extremely rude, Austin. Um, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely eras, right, of of singing styles and like in, engaging with the era that you know. But I mean, I'm a I'm a loud musical th- theater style singer 
And in this era, era of like music, like the Billie Eilish era, I mean, you go Adele, you know, you go um, to people who are still kind of bringing that full, that full voice sound. It's not, it's not Ariana. Um, Gaga still sings that way. Um, <laughs> and I love Gaga. As, Gaga, as far as pop music goes, I think it's Gaga. I think, it, I think Dua Lipa sings out a little, but it's still that studio magic that you that you speak of um where it's pretty pretty throaty i have mixed feelings about dua lipa i feel like she's so pretty she's just so pretty i love looking at her her music makes me happy and her performances are a bowl of sand extremely boring yeah just so just driftwood on the shore case in point american music awards she showed i know her booty is smaller but her outfits were as exactly as revealing as Cardi B's and Megan's. And it's like everyone forgot it. You know what I mean? Like even like step for step, she was on the floor. She was bursting her legs open. She was doing all of this sexy stuff. And we just forgot it happened because like a sexier, more intense version of it happened like a half hour later. Like so my- I never even heard it. I don't watch a lot of music performances, but yeah, you're right. I didn't hear anything about that. I, was it actually it wasn't the American Ruth, it was the Grammys. Sorry. Uh but yeah, it's like it just it's they literally had on almost the exact same skimpy purple rhinestone booty cheek out yes. outfits. And nobody it's just she's so boring you don't even notice her butt is out. Like it's yes. just <laughs> I hope this is the thing that gets this podcast noticed is just like <laughs> female comedians tear into doing leap like her fan base yeah. comes for us. <laughs> all the all the the Lipa stands descent. <laughs> The, the dua barbs what do we what do we call those i don't know if they every everything's a barb because i feel like everybody's barbs got and the yeah. beehive are the strongest fandoms for sure yeah absolutely you can't beat it so i love your karaoke story take me into your number two or i guess are we going ascending or descending or is there no order i guess there's no order okay well just tell me your next song <laughs> i'm presenting the best narrative of my life um that i, can, I love that I, I can conceive of um, so the the second song um, that I will choose is um, is from my from my youths, um, so you can understand my origins. And um, the song that I am picking is Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. Um, it's a very good song. It's very um, alty, and it is a single uh, because she's basic. Um, she have, but that was my first album, Jagged Little Pill, and mm-hmm. it was formative because I didn't know albums were bad after that you know what I mean like I had my first album and I was like well this is very good I I guess music is excellent and then (laughs) I like got another album and I was like wait this is got a lot of songs that aren't extremely good I guess albums can be bad Uh, but that was a harsh lesson you know I'm so jealous that you're so cool because your first album was Jagged Little Pill like one of the greatest front to back albums of all time you want to know what my first album was tell me lou bega mambo number five there was the a whole, whole album, album. <laughs> so he so mambo one through four and then conceivably six through 13 i i would guess yeah i remember yeah. this i remember this I, like from front to their 12 whole tracks they all sounded the same it could have been <sighs> mambo one through 12 and i <laughs> so music bad. to our fedora too <laughs> with that wide pointy collar what was that (laughs) it's very miami um or something like it was very colorful and 
wide lapels and rat packy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> wow. So such a great album to be like your first album. So you were pretty young when you got that. Like how old were you? Do you remember? I think, I mean, I want to say like under 10 years old or around 10. Um, and I've always been a bit of a feminist from the jump, you know, I, I always had kind of a chip on my shoulder. I had like strong female role models growing up and it was right in line for me to have this like, you know, female songstress, songwriter as a role model. Um, she, you know, was pretty pissed and she was pretty confrontational in that in that music. Um, so, yeah, I think it was great. Good influence. Yeah. Do you feel like later on, did you like, let me ask you this. Did you ever revisit it later on once you had experienced some heartbreak and like connected to it differently as an adult or like as a person who had been in love before? I think when I revisited it later, um, I had more, I I think there were, by the time I was heartbroken, there were more, I had more resources and heartbreak will come into my later picks uh, for songs. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, there are so many songs about heartbreak that by the time I experienced it, it was, and you know what else? And as you will see, uh, my heartbreak picks are usually more devastated than angry. I very mm. rarely experience a situation that makes me angry. I am almost always sad about it and, and like turn it against myself and um, become a total victim. Uh, you know, I'm working on it. She's in therapy, but now I, I think it would be really cathartic. Um, and I should listen to that music. Cause right now, one thing I do listen to a lot of is Fiona Apple's newest album, which is a very similar energy to the OG, um, Alanis. Mm. Are you a fan? The of only thing I know from her is, uh, I've been a bad, bad girl. Sure. What is that called? I don't even know the title of it. Criminal. That's called Criminal. And there you go. Uh, the her newest album is called Fetch the Bolt Cutters, and it got like a a lot of pitch pitchfork perfect score. Um, and it was kind of early in the pandemic, so people are really excited about it. I strongly recommend it, especially as a um sort of ode to um female uh, aggression. Hmm, which is a beautiful thing to visit. You know what's cool about Alanis Morissette is yes. like when you mentioned the Marvelettes and you mentioned Mr. Postman. One thing that happens with like different eras of time is like there are people who know that song and would go, yeah, it's by the Supremes. Because it's like for every era of a type of music, right. there gets to be like one standout. And then decades and decades later, when we think about them, we just think that every song that came around that time was made by them. Yeah. Alanis Morissette was like that face of girl angst. And you have yeah. to be like in pretty deep to know your like, uh, your Lisa's, even your like not quite the same, like your Lisa Loeb's and your, and your Fiona your Apple's. Luscious Jackson's. And yes. your, yeah. yeah, and your, even your jewels. Like there are people who just think jewels, everyone's yeah. Alanis Morissette. Like, um, that song, Bitch, you can, people or, are yeah. so convinced Alanis Morissette wrote it. It was not Alanis Morissette. I'm like, it's Meredith Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. She's just like the standout of the group. Did you ever do That's You Oughta really, Know for karaoke? Uh, You Oughta Know, no. I like One Hand in My Pocket for karaoke. Mm. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's the acoustic, you know, it's, it's a nice, um, Yeah. That's good. That's a good karaoke song. Ironic is probably the most popular um, Elena's karaoke song. It's like, you know. that's a, I don't know why I thought you ought to know would be because it's like the edgier one. No. Yeah. I don't think it's as fun to sing. Maybe. Um, but ironic. Maybe it's like down on you going down on you in a theater line is weird in front of your parents or something. 
Yeah, I did not work in that kind of. It did not work in a family friendly kind of karaoke bar. We we love uh, go down on you in in the theater where I come from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just yelling it out. Doesn't matter who's in the audience. It was like nightlife, nightlife vibes um, in the bar that I work at. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's and it's and I and let me um, just speak to one other thing about karaoke is the catharsis. You know, it's in an embodied experience of emotion in a mm-hmm. in a, our silly culture, which does not. You know, if we do express emotion in our culture, we do so like privately or in a way that is very like subdued. And there are very few um, opportunities in you know modern life to just like scream lyrics about dave coulier or anybody for that, for <laughs> that matter oh goodness dave coulier uh underrated or overrated uncle on full house i'm gonna say underrated just because of the you know uh the uncle jesse fervor <laughs> and you know we're comedians so we need to stand the the funny uncle i suppose <laughs> hear me out Tell me. Bob Saget, possibly underrated in this. Well, in my father. opinion, <laughs> you know what I mean. Okay, like okay. I just, I, uh, you, you know, nice sly smile. You know, Bob. It's like there's a little bit more going on to him. Yeah. Than me. Well, now we know that there was a lot more going on. That That's in his true. brain, he was just a weird pervert, and we love it. You know, like he's just like <laughs> not hurting anybody, just cracking jokes up here, and then saved him for his albums and shit later. <laughs> it's true that is very true it's so funny oh my gosh so we got Atlanta's more set we got uh Marvelettes who who else has affected the journey of Brie how do we get here what songs are on our list um okay so I'm gonna do a heartbreak song I, okay so I meant to Love throw it. in like a like a like a fuck jam but I didn't. So instead, I'm going to skip straight to the heartbreak. And um, the heartbreak song is I, uh, You Can't Make Me Love You by Bonnie Raitt. Um, Pharrell has called it the greatest song of all time. And I actually believe it is right up there. Um, it is a, a tremendous song. Um, I can't make you love me. Um, what did I say? You can't make me. I can't make you love you. Uh, wait, I can't make you love me. It's it's so, actually a pretty intuitive title that I've said wrong like six times, but I Can't Make You Love Me is, you know, it's been covered a few times. I think but the original by Bonnie Raitt is the superior track, um, but some notable covers are Bon Iver and mm-hmm. Tank, and and uh, D'Angelo has a pretty good cover, too. So Really? I just think And I see Adele has a cover, too. Yeah, it's not, a, not so good. No, I don't think so. Mm. Is that her better work? I don't think so. <laughs> it's very. It's not super true to the song. I just think the song is so amazing that if you don't really give tribute to the song, like and, and you know, I'm kind of funny with covers. I kind of always feel like if you're going to cover a song, you better bring your own thing to it. But with this feel. song, yeah, or any kind of reboot, frankly. But with this song, I kind of feel like. Don't even fucking, don't you dare <laughs> bring any, don't you put any extra sauce on this delicious burger. And see, and that just kind of, I think it speaks to what a song meant to you when you first heard it. Like, I love both versions of I Will Always Love You. They're so different. But like most people around my age group, I heard Whitney's version first. So then when I heard Dolly's, I was like, oh, this is nice as well. 
But I feel like if I had grown up loving the Dolly version, who knows how I would have felt about the Whitney one. So it's like, is it because the Bonnie one is just like so deep in your heart? You're like, I didn't ask for this. Who told you to charboil this? Why are you cooking it this way? <laughs> Weird enough. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, and, and had you heard the other song first, you'd probably feel a lot differently. Right. But um, yeah, the, the Bonnie rate is emblazoned um, on my heart. And, you know, if you are, and again, that embodied experience of singing this song in karaoke to get over someone, it's unparalleled. Like it, mm -hmm. there's something about saying the lyrics out of your mouth and lungs and it's glorious, you know, it just, and it really helps you you know, let that sink in. Here in your arms. I can't believe I haven't heard this. I'm excited because now I have something song? to never in my oh, life. Dude, huge. I bet you have, but maybe not in its entirety. And like, you know, really turn the lights off and listen would be my suggestion. Okay. <laughs> but put your phone in a different room so you don't immediately call all your exes and tell them the, the mistakes that you've made. Because well, it I am has that very impact. married. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that's why you better get that phone out of your room. <laughs> no, good for I'm me. I've never made any mistakes. Um, everyone's always been wrong. Um, and everyone, <laughs> all of my relationships have been someone else's fault. So I wouldn't even know who to call just to be like, I think you still owe me an apology. Like, I don't think people want to call. Hey, it's Tuesday, March 22nd. And it's been about six years. Are you sorry? I feel like you should. <laughs> Man, yeah, I mean, the lyrics look, they look, they look very sweet. Oh, does, it takes you to a specific story. Does it, does it take you to your first love or like your, your big, great love? Where does it take you? you know, I just, I got dumped by this fucking dude who I dated for six months, but it was just a rough one for me to get over. Um, in my twenties, she loved and lost many times. And I just had a lot of like dalliances. I was learning the ways of love and being a woman and being a, a, a dating woman. Um, and as a person who like, I, did, I don't really have aspirations to get married and have children. So it was like a lot of exploration and, and emotions. And um, this recovery song was, yeah, it was specific to a, a person. But now, I mean, I just like, I think maybe when I reflect on it, I'm like really thinking about me. I'm thinking about my healing from that shitty relationship. I don't think about him at all. Mm, it's more about. Songs are good. Yeah. It's like more about like what it did to you than like him in particular. Like it's the feeling yeah. of loss in that sense. And yeah. One thing that helped was that I wrote all of what I am just talking about into a one woman show and then sang this song as part of it. So it kind of became about healing through that. Right. Okay. That sounds amazing. Where could our listeners find this one woman show? Is it nowhere? Just one of those it was on that... stage. Yep. It, it was on stage and who, who knows, maybe someone will buy it from Hollywood and I will get to make it for Netflix. But um, no, it, it was a, it was a one woman show where I talked about, I have, um, I'll, I'll, I have a list of everyone that I've slept with their astrological sign and a fun fact about them. And so I did a show where people could yell out a number and I would pull up that person in my list and tell a little story about them. And then I had some vignettes and songs and, and stuff like that. Okay. That is amazing. That sounds so dope. And I love that you were like, it's on the stage. That is one of my favorite. Okay. My favorite type of musicians are the divas who leave us hanging and the rest of us can just eat shit. 
And oh. Prince was the king of that. Prince was the king of that. People, they once asked him why he would not put out a DVD of his tour. And he said, because this performance lives in your mind where it should live forever. <laughs> and then Beyonce quoted him when they asked her why she's not going to release the Formation World Tour. And I was like, ah, you bitches. You just, you have us by the soul. I love that where you're just like, you know what? The art is what it is. And I put it out there when I want to put it out there. I mean, this is why I believe that, you know, live performance will come back after the pandemic because, you know, it's it's indomitable. And that shared experience of, you know, a thousand people listening to an artist is, it, it's, there's nothing like it. Mm, it really isn't. It really, really isn't. So I'm in for a treat. I'm excited because just like reading the lyrics is already getting my heart like, oh, I want to feel this. I, I'm, I'm going to go into like full Pisces mode and like <laughs> double cup. Like just like hold some hot cocoa with both of my hands and wear a blanket yeah. and look wistfully out the window. I'm gonna choose the right day to listen. Yeah, to this. I would love I would love you to put a playlist together too of of some of the covers because it, it's interesting to see what people focus on. I really I love the Bonnie Bear cover. It's Bonnie Bear has a beautiful kind of sad voice anyway, so that that would be good. Good compliment. He's he's something. Bonavere was someone I got introduced to on SNL and I was like, what am I looking at? Like SNL is never the best place no. to be introduced to someone because you're like, what the fuck is this? And then later on you're like, oh my God, this person's so great. Like SNL is, it, it, it's like it's hazing for musicians. Like yeah. it never goes well. <laughs> I mean, especially, yeah. I mean, that's another piece of music that I, I've... <laughs> Bon Iver has like a beautiful ethereal voice and you don't want to like be like, oh, it just came from that white man. Like you, you want it to be like an angel, you know, or like, you know, anyway. <laughs> that's me anyway. I know. Just like, oh, it's just a human, just a dude. <laughs> like, I love that. You're like, I just want it to be an angel. That's just some so guy cool. with red in his beard. Boo. <laughs> but I've heard he's very nice. So that's good. It's nice. Um, speaking of hearing, so like you're, you've been in LA for how long? I don't, so I always ask people about non-comedians we meet. <laughs> okay. So I had a meeting at a building and both Franco brothers were also in the building. And oh I God, saw the little them. one so cute. The little one is precious. We love Dave. <laughs> the other thing that I can tell you is that one time I was standing outside of a restaurant in Silver Lake and I was talking to someone and about five minutes into the conversation, their eyes glazed over and I kept talking. And then about 30 seconds later, they were like, oh my God, did you see Natalie Portman? And I was like, no. <laughs> While I was talking. <laughs> Natalie Portman walked right by and I was, I was too engrossed in what I was saying to notice, but um, apparently she was right next to us. Gosh. Oh, one more. I ate at Moby's restaurant and Moby was there. And I guess Moby's never there. Yeah. He's got a vegan restaurant in Silver Lake called Little Pine. It's vegan food. I figured. We'll say y'all like to do some oh, stuff. Vegan so funny that I had a story about Natalie Portman and Moby since they apparently never dated, even though Moby said they did. That so made him look like such a creep. That, yeah. made it, that is going to be, if I ever go, let's tell the unstory. Let's talk about the dark underbelly of Moby. That'll be it. I'll be like, Moby, famous singer known for being a fucking creep and claiming definitely, to have dated Probably Natalie a creep. Yeah, definitely, probably. <laughs> it's terrible I mean, when that... someone who looks like that just confirms so much about 
their creepiness. He does like a little bit like a praying mantis. Like he's just, oh. just <laughs> I'm just saying if, if he if you turned around and he was there, you wouldn't be a little startled. There's something oh. startling. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, he was at the same restaurant I was and I was I was shook. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so you've had your share, your fair share of sightings. So we've got one great Harper jam. You said no fuck jams this week. We're not doing any fuck jams. Yeah, no fuck week. jams this week. Um, well, maybe the last. I think one you could get it into yeah. Mr. Postman yeah, well, if you wanted to. Sure. <laughs> Although you'd want it at the beginning of the list and not the end. I'll tell you that you don't want anything <laughs> dramatic happening and then. But it don't don't wait. Oh yes, you know it's just like too <laughs> cute. It's too cute. Too much of a, a shift in energy there. It's a pretty sad, now that I think of the lyrics to Please Mr. Postman, it's a pretty bad song. I mean, sad. She's just like, is not hearing from this guy. She's being ghosted by mail. No, I thought he died in the war. Or <laughs> either way. Worse? Truly a bummer. It's, it's set in the 60s and she's like, from my boyfriend so far away. Like, I just assume. Yeah, why is she dating Korea. somebody so far away? Like, why are you even, you know, you don't have a, you didn't meet him on Tinder, you know, like I did. <laughs> like, you would go to the club, you would meet a guy, and then he would get drafted the next day. And that was your excuse for, like, lightly hoeing and sleeping with him the night before because you had to do it for the troops. It was okay. Just take as a long bunch as of aspirin and coke and you'll be okay. <laughs> I know birth control tips from the 50s for some reason. Have you seen the movie I said, All I Want to Do? Uh, I feel like I have. I, I can see the cover of it. Is it Liv Tyler? I think I think Liv Tyler, Kristen Dunst, uh, just like a couple. And it's about these like bad girls at a boarding school in the 50s. And I just remember okay, that's yes, where I learned the, the aspirin and coke as birth control thing from that movie. <laughs> It's super not. They should not have told the people that. Because um, yeah. 12-year-old me was like, sound like a player. <laughs> right, I love Coke. <laughs> I don't know how anyone gets pregnant. You can just stop it in your pantry right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So let's let's go on to our next little heartbreak sure. jam or whatever feeling we got next. So this one, this one is a love song, actually. I'm going to do a love song, and it's Sade, and it's By Your Side. Because all I love Sade so, 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 so much. Um, but to me, By Your Side is the... Okay, I have this bias toward music that was made in the 80s and 90s, which is that I'm not crazy about a heavy synth-type sound. Um, yeah. A lot of Prince... You know, I love Prince's songs, but, like, sometimes that music with heavy, heavy synth, I'm like, mm, I can't do it. So, like, um, some Sade stuff has a lot of synth, uh, but By Your Side is just, like, I mean, it's a very timeless-sounding love song. It's about partnership. Um, it's about love in a very, like, um, like high-vibration kind of way. Mm -hmm. It's not light. It's not, like, about marriage. It's just, like, a very beautiful love song to me. That is a great song. How do I not? I, I For someone to choose to do a, a music show and think they know everything, I'm like, how do I not know? But I bet I know it and can't remember it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You think I'd leave your side, baby? I know you better than that. Yeah. Oh, when you're cold. Um, Have you seen the film Scott Pilgrim versus The no. World? So there's, uh, I have a bias against movies that teenage white boys like too much when I was in school 
So there's like a lot of movies I should revisit, but like because a certain dude I went to school was like, this is the best and most important film ever made. And if you don't like it or get it, then you're stupid. You know what I mean? So it's like, I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim. I haven't seen Garden State. I haven't seen, um, what's the other one? The Jim Carrey one, Eternal Sunshine. Like there's so many, uh, basically every movie that contributed to the, um, every movie that contributed to oh, the Manic um, Pixie Dream Girl. I, I miss it. Summer. I fully hear you. And it was an oppressive season of films. Scott Pilgrim is not a film you have to see. It's not. <laughs> you sure? I, I'll, if I'm in for a treat, I will visit it. If you, if you give it your I enjoy approval, it. I will watch it tonight. I do approve of it. You can watch it. You might not like it. I like movies that other people don't like. Um, I only bring it up because that song was featured toward the end and... It may have been my introduction to that song. Even though I was a Sade fan, I think, you know, um, millennials like like me, we have major gaps in music that you were able to hold because of changes to technology. So I might have had a thriving life in LimeWire times, (laughs) in your Napster downloading times, but that didn't translate to having my first iPod. That didn't translate to having my first phone, you know, that played music. So there are gaps in my music because of like my taste rather. And then, and it was like huge jumps. So like, I didn't really listen to hip hop music until I was in my late twenties when um, a boyfriend loaned me some albums. And then I kind of went on a journey and got, you know, your Spotify and your Apple music. And now I'm, I would consider myself pretty well-versed. When you had to curate your own list like that, like it was easy to get into these phases and have like, you'd have an entire device that would only have like one kind of music that you like. And that's, it's funny about Sade. It's like, I grew up listening to Sade. That's something my parents loved. But the song you just mentioned came out in 2000. So I know what the kind right. of things I was listening to in 2000, that was when I had my little CD player and I had my song and I had Lou Vega and I was in charge of what I listened to. <laughs> So I might have just missed that. It was like playing an adult contemporary radio and it might have been something that just passed right by me. Why would we be watching VH1 at 17? You know, that wasn't for us yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I also had the same experience where my parents listened to Sade. It was like the easing, easy listening station genre. And then you sort of, I mean, that was not marketed to young people at all, at all. And now that's all I listen to, frankly. Like, like I said, I'm, 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 I listen to the wave 94, seven. Shout out. Yeah. I like how, when we get to a certain point too, you need like music that fits the kind of energy you want. Like, God, I don't remember, I don't remember the exact day, but have you ever had one of those days where you're driving at night and you've got something real high energy to keep you going? Cause you're getting tired. And then the next morning you turn your car on and the same shit is playing. And you're like, Whoa, it is. <laughs> It is 7 a.m. on a Wednesday. I don't need this right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, mm. Yeah, I create a lot of playlists now to mm-hmm. be mood specific. Um, and that, that helps a lot. What do you think makes a good playlist? Hmm. I think uh, intention, right? So... As a karaoke jockey, my job was like, you know, set the vibe of the room. So, you know, it was a lot of Motown. It was very up-tempo. 
um, nothing that, but in the karaoke context, it's like, don't get too attached to the songs that are playing in between the karaoke songs. So it can't be something so good that people want to keep listening to the in-between music, you know? Um, That's true. For me, you know, I'm, I make a lot of house, you know, for comedy, I make a lot of house music soundtracks. So up-tempo, cheerful, specific, um, not too lyrically, lyric-based setting vibes. Yeah. I like that. Do you have a, do you have a walkout song? That's one of my favorite things is like, or or no, is that? I never know what to say. The last time I did a walkout song um, was for like my last show in Portland, Oregon, my hometown when I was like moving to LA. And the song I chose was by Chance the Rapper with, um, about dancing. And it's with Big Frida is on it. I've been drinking all night. I've been drinking all night. I've been drinking all night. Hey, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think it's just called All Night. All Night. Yes. Yeah. That's a good vibe. I like that song a lot for for going on stage. It's a good high energy. But like the problem is, too, this is, and maybe this is more of a thing in urban rooms, and I hate the expression urban, but there's no other way to describe it. Like, most urban shows ask you to have a song, and, like, I have always... <laughs> I'm a Black woman, and I'm a comedian, and I consider myself a Black comic, but I don't always do urban shows, and there's this weird moment where they <laughs> they play the song, and then the DJ will never cut it. The DJ always thinks you're going to get up there and dance, and I'm just like, thank you. That's enough. That's it. They, we've had enough. They've had enough. I'm. Thank you. And they just won't cut it. And you're just up there, like okay, like waiting for it to be shit. over to start your set. And so, like being asked what song I want to play in between always gives me just the worst, the like the yucks. But one of my favorites was Beyonce Seven Eleven because it's just you know how so many songs have so much intro and they take forever to get to the part you actually want. That song actually starts with her going clap, clap, clap. <laughs> That's like, a you great know. fucking opening song, a, a, a walkout song. Because there's clapping. I stuck with it for years, for years and years. I was like seven every time because it just makes you feel yeah. energetic and you can just jump right to it. Anything else, you've got like 10 minutes of intro and then what are you going to do? Similarly, I used to open karaoke all the time with uh, Erica Badu's Tyrone live edition, which oh. is a full audience clapping so at an for like an empty bar on a tuesday great opening song that is dope that is that puts me in like a really cool headspace i love oh my gosh erica badu as a as a dallas site yeah i'm gonna add it to your list i'm gonna add it to your list yeah i should have i yeah oh erica she's given us so much she really has i have a i don't really have like a great i have like a small erica badu story have you ever uh do you have any erica badu stories or no i mean i will the only story i have is not with her but uh, the um the uh ep um hello um the last ep she did uh mm-hmm. about phones and i can't remember what it was called i don't uh remember titles of things i know the song the big song off of that was phone down yeah um, um hotline bling remix but um yeah that whole ep was what i listened to while i was getting ready to move to la and i was i rented a car and like hadn't moved here yet and i drove all around the city so it's like the soundtrack to la for me and so i will remember um song lyrics when i go certain places and and vice versa that's so sweet 
See, see, Erica puts me in Dallas. She puts me in Dallas mode because it's right. like when you're in downtown Dallas, especially like the deep Ellum area, there's like murals of her everywhere and you just kind of feel her influence and in everything. And I used to work in the fancy mall in Dallas called North Park. And I remember one day I was walking past Matt Cosmetics and this little boy, or what I thought was a little boy, was like a small child, just kind of like ran between my legs real quick. And I was like, what? And I stopped for a second. And then I heard this voice go, Mars, come to me, Mars. And the child turned around and I looked behind me and it was Erica Badu. And she had on this like yellow and brown flowing evening gown with these super long sleeves. It was like 2 p.m. on a Sunday, you know, just the middle of the day. It was like kind of like something between a muumuu and an evening gown, just like a very cool situation, but it had like a hood attached. I don't know how to explain it. Like no one else could have pulled off this outfit but her. She had a little bag for Matt and Mars. I, I need to double check if Mars is a boy or a girl. I just like Mars just like had this Mars little the boy child. The boy child, yes. It was a kid was like five or six then and was just like running and very and then he like stopped. And then he like turned like a full 360. It was very strange. And then like walked really slowly back to his mother. And I swear the doors like parted right as she said that. And they just I didn't see her walk. This woman glided out of the mall. And I was just like, did anybody else see that? Did anybody else just see? And I feel like I want to have another celebrity moment like that while I'm in LA where I'm just like, oh my gosh, is that? But like no one else was around. Nobody else remembers seeing Erica. And I worked in that mall. So I like went to the Mac. I was like, did you just help Erica by doing? They're like, no. And I was like, did I imagine this? <laughs> like, oh, she's just like, she's like this ethereal being to me. She's like, She's, I know she's a person, but she's like more than, like, how you said about who's more than a person? Uh, Bone of is an angel. Like, she is like a deity. Like, there's just something else. She's magic. Completely and fully. And I really, I really regret not officially putting her on my list. She's, she's, um, she's it, you know, Pisces, Pisces goddess for sure, also. Um, Mars is the girl child, and she is also the daughter of Jay Electronica and Erica Badu. Oh, she's and so grown now. I don't she's even, like, 12. it was like, oh, okay. But she, her other daughter, um, whose name escapes me, um, Puma is Puma. Um, I believe has a social media life of her own now, and so you can see the Badu children off in the world. So, so weird. No, TikTok is a magical place for that reason. So we're. And by the way, I'm just officially the way I do this is I do like companion episodes. So I just release um, a couple songs into the season one playlist it has become just a, a magical it's so nonsensical at this point there's so many songs that don't go together we've got olivia newton john's physical in here we've got uh quite a bit of prince a surprising amount of there's a little bit of beethoven you know you've made your contributions this is going to be the most nonsense playlist of all time that will have the most unvibey of vibe it'll just jump from jump to jump so we're just going to go ahead and add erica right here after bonnie ray and um What's our what's our last song for the day though? Or do we have well, two more? I had it set. I had it set, but I am making a change. I'm making a revision. I was going to choose something really cool to show your listeners that I'm plugged in. I I know what's cool. I'm She's billboard. cool. <laughs> Oof, me? I'm a cool mom. I'm not a mom. I am cool and I uh know stuff and I, I'll I'll just tell you the song that I was going to pick was Dragon Ball Do Rag by Thundercat. Okay. That's what I was gonna pick. And that was gonna be my 2020 song for you. It's a very good song. And I like funk music quite a bit. 
But the song I'm actually going to choose that I think is closer to my heart and probably should have replaced the Alanis track, but like, let's not look through the past, um, is What a Man by salt and Peppa. Oh, yeah! What a Man by salt and Peppa was my very first single cassette tape, honey, that I owned my own self. So almost more of an impact than the Alanis track came earlier because it was a different technology. Again, blind spots in my musical history because of technology. It was a cassette tape. I even had a cassette tr- uh, player. And I remember listening to What a Man over and over again. And the cassette player batteries running out slowly. And I would listen to What a Man at like half speed and then like a quarter speed. I wanna give a minute or two and give much. You were chopping and screwing before it was a thing. Yeah, I would listen, and now, and I know the lyrics so well because I've listened to it so many times at various speeds. But I I think that's a hilarious song for me to like have as a second grader or whatever the hell it came out because, I mean, that's literally like a wish list of things you want for your, you know, your man in the future. Um, I, I mean, like, it's a hilarious, like, anthem for a very, very young child, you know? <laughs> I, don't you think? It is. It is. It is. It is very specific. It's, it's, it's weird. It's very, you know, what's funny about it. It's not just adult material. It's like an adult who's been places material. Because yeah. she's like, uh, not only is love tough, but I, I've come up with a list of the specifics I want. A body like Arnold with a Denzel face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just I remember this oh my gosh what a man and shoot I remember knowing oh man I remember being like seven years old I want to know how does it hang straight up wait a minute and again what do you what was hanging I don't know I wasn't sure how um I mean at this point did I know what dicks were yeah was I interested maybe but <laughs> hanging was not a part of my understanding of how dicks worked um I think like, um, <laughs> um, oh, I think there's a lot of cultural references. Like, of course, I know who Denzel is. Um, my sm- my man is smooth like Barry, and his voice got bass. Probably not aware of who Barry was. Um, you know, <laughs> who, why why would I know who Barry White is at age eight? You know, um, at least you didn't think it was Barry Manilow. That would have been hilarious if you just went through like, all life. Yeah. A body like Arnold, I think I knew it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and also decline. Why would you want a body like Arnold? That's not hot. The Terminator is going to be terrifying to you as a child. It should be, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like our first crushes were like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know what I mean? Or like Simba, like anybody with a middle part whose hair kind of fluffled. We weren't looking yeah. for like men who could crush us in half. Right? <laughs> <laughs> No one's looking for the the strongest 13-year-old. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Like, there are jokes in this song, you know? He's got me open like 7-Eleven, you know? I mean, there there's jokes. Um, it's kind of good, like, early comedy stuff. Smart like a doctor. Not a okay. lot of jokes, but a few. <laughs> no, but, like, there's some good lyrical twists and turns, yeah. you know? I appreciate yeah. that. And I love that Clever. you didn't neglect hip-hop. Like as far as the list goes, right. you have you've hit on Motown, we've got alternative, we've got R and B, we've got hip hop and R and B because we've got we, you know we've got Invoke and Salt and Pepper. This is a solid, 
solid playlist. Oh, yeah, and Vogue. Yeah, and that was, and I loved En Vogue. And that I had, um, I had their whole cassette tape also um, around this time. My sister just... loves doing Free Your Mind at karaoke, and I hate it because oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> it's just music. Like, okay, I don't know why. It's just the lyrics make me. I think it's because every time we it's do karaoke, cringe. there's just like nothing but a bunch of just like like two or three just like seventy year old biker guys in the corner smoking themselves into oblivion and we're just like it's just so and passionate like, and so much date another race or my strong black brothers it's so yeah. much and yeah, so all... many messages and then she's like yeah. don't think that i'm a prostitute don't think yeah. i have bad credit like well, I'm, I mean, I, I, I for sure did not know that people assuming that she had bad credit. I was like, I didn't even, you know, I still am not totally sure what the free your mind piece of that is, but it's like, oh God. It feels, it feels like they Big all messages. went in there with a, with a pin and like a specific, right. like whatever your chip on your shoulder is. And it's like that day somebody was like, ma'am. Do you have another card? And she was like, how dare you? Run it yeah. again. You know what I mean? It was very much like that pretty woman. Big mistake. Huge right, mistake right. moment. I'm going to write a song and about this. Like, how do you like that? Yeah. Everyone comes in with these other, like, huge things about, like, sexism and racism. And she's like, and you know what? I have good credit. Thank you very much. But she had a very personal grievance that she just, like, added in there under the radar. Oh my goodness. This has I mean, been so a, fun. I always love song. this powerful song. I always love this portion of the show. We're going to wrap it up with our last section. This is really fun. You get to give our listeners advice. So I have a piece of a voicemail that was left by one of our listeners. Our listeners like to anonymously send us a question. For those of you wanting to call in, we, uh, we have a really great system. You can call us at 512-765-4857 and leave us a voicemail or text and we'll listen to it or read it over the air. So today's episode. Hey, it's Greg Larson and my girlfriend just set my car on fire. Yep. So I'd like to know what your top three breakup songs are. I have to go put in a claim on this car because it's on fire. Let me know. What? Okay. Greg. Greg. First of all, Greg, Usually, what did you do? <laughs> Usually it's formatted more like a question, like, what should I do? And then we pick a song that like helps them with that issue. But Greg's like, okay, so my car's on fire. What's some breakup? What is your favorite breakup song? Let me ask you well, that. Let's make besides, that the question of the hour. Besides I Can't Make You Love Me, which is definitely mm. number one with the bullet. Um, I mean, for this, I'm thinking um, I smashed your windows out, out your car, right? Yes. Is that yes, 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 yes. Amber Riley from Glee. Is that her original song? I'm showing my ignorance here. Or is that no? That's okay. No, okay. it is a cover. It is a cover of Jasmine Sullivan. Uh, oh, I and love so, Jasmine yeah. Sullivan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Ja I like okay. both versions. Jasmine Sullivan. There's more heartbreak in her voice. Uh, yeah. I definitely think with with Amber Riley, with much of the music she made on Glee, they were just like, keep it up here. <laughs> like, so it's, yes. it's, she's not singing in her deepest register. The the Jasmine Sullivan version is better, better. Love it. Yeah. Have to plug the new Amber Riley album, which is quite good. Yeah, I'm she just came up. And her, um, the, the title track is called Big Girl Energy, BGE. So, you know, it's a, it's a big girl anthem. So, you know, I got to, I got to back that. Okay, I'm looking forward to that then. Oh. I agree with you. Um, Bust Your Windows is like a perfect angry breakup song. What were we going to say? I'm sorry. 
for this one. I what I was gonna say is I can pull up my breakup song list right now, <laughs> which is called Survival. Um, and that is, you know, sometimes you create a create a list. Um, oh, okay, get, get, okay. My breakup experiences are very sad and not um like angry like this is. So I'm gonna go um hear my call by Jill Scott. Good one. And give me all your love by the Alabama Shakes. Maybe not a breakup song in lyric but in vibe it, it will heal you that's a good one for his particular situation i don't have a little cheeky love song my recommendation is to call the police and the authorities uh, i don't have anything i have nothing but i have nothing but very serious advice to get a restraining order um but my favorite breakup song by far i love rihanna's take a bow and it's because it's in an earlier it's an earlier part in her career when Rihanna used to have a very talky singing voice. And then somewhere around age 28, she learned to like sing from her throat, like, or like belt from yeah. her stomach. But take a bow is so lazy sound. Like she just sounds like she's, you look so dumb right now. Like she's yeah. just tired of you and wants you to leave. Yeah, And it's just the sarcasm of take a bow. I love it. It is the yeah. most... <laughs> Sir, leave the premises. So that is why it's my favorite breakup song. Because <laughs> it's for when you're in that, like, when you're beyond the acceptance stage. You're just like, get gone. I love that feeling. And so, uh, Greg, if you're listening, I really hope you get to that place where you can look back at it and go, I can't believe this dumb bitch burned my car. You know what I mean? And you don't feel any resentment. Because the opposite of love is not in, it's not hate, it's indifference. So I wish indifference for you because indifference leads to peace. That's what I wish for you, Greg. So uh, tell her to take a bow and then don't talk to her ever again because she's insane. Uh, <laughs> I wish she's the best. All right, that is going to wrap up Rhythm and Bay uh, podcast for the day. We were joined in studio by the fantastic and hilarious Brie. Brie Pruitt, where can people find you, follow you, and connect with you online? It's at Brie Pruitt across all social media platforms and you can do it podcast on Instagram and you can do it with Brie Pruitt podcast at anywhere you enjoy podcasts. I love that name. You can do it with Brie Pruitt. Look at perfect. <laughs> You're adorable and wonderful and special. And I'm so glad you were here. And I'm so glad you guys were listening with us today. If you had fun and you like the show, please, please, please leave us five stars. That is how people find us. It's the most awesome and super free thing you can do to help. Um, also, check out us on, on Instagram at Rhythm and Bay Podcast, on Facebook at Rhythm and Bay Podcast, and on Twitter at Bay Rhythm And. I don't know how to fix it, and I fucked up. So make sure you follow us at all of the things. Or just find me personally, Jasmine Ellis Comedy, on all the things. Thanks again for listening and spending time with us and as always keep it smooth